welcome to the Bedroom Studios podcast, a podcast where we talk about what goes on behind the scenes in a musician's world and bridge the industry gap by bringing their stories, expertise, and advice to early career artists. Subscribe to join us for a fun chat about life as a creative person, tips and tricks for pursuing an artistic career, navigating the music industry, and more. I am your host, Emma, and today I will be interviewing Siobhan Bodrug. Even though Siobhan has been singing since before she could talk, it all started on Father's Day of 2016, her first gig. Since then, she has wowed audiences in many venues, including opening for indie mainstays Stars and Juno Award winners Dizzy at the Golden Hour Festival, the iconic Rockwood Music Hall in New York City, headlining her own show at the Regent Theatre, the Empire Theatre Country Pop, Sandbanks Music Festival, El Combo, and was selected as a Honey Jam artist for 2022. Her music is a seamless blend of indie pop and R&B, and her soulful vocals defy her 19 years on the planet. She has appeared on Sirius XM, Mix 97, and performed a live-to-air Christmas special. Her latest single, The End Lies Ahead, has over 100,000 streams on Spotify. The future is bright for Siobhan Bodrug because, as People of PEC said in a recent review, can we just talk for a minute about how fabulous Siobhan Bodrug is? If you have never heard of this powerhouse singer, you soon will. She is fire. Her voice is strong and sure, and she has a very strong command of her craft. She is a brilliant young artist. So I'm very happy to have you on, and I 100% agree with that review. Thank you so much, Emma, for having me. This is going to be great. Yeah, I'm so excited. I have a lot of questions about all of your performances and your experiences with that, but I think a good place to start would be to listen to your song. Yeah. For the listeners who do not know, we met at the auditions for an artist development program, and your audition was so memorable. There was, there was so many people, like at least 40, I think, people auditioning, and I still very clearly remember your audition. Thank you. That's That actually means so much to me. I was, at the time, I was, so that was about two years ago now. I was 17, like freshly mm-hmm. 17. And so it, like, it was definitely nerve-wracking. And um, the program that we're talking about is Honey Jam. And I, I ended up getting chosen for that year, which was awesome. Um, oh. But but it was like, it was so surreal because you had 30 seconds. And I remember they didn't have a piano there. And so, and me and my dad, my dad performs with me a lot, and he'll probably come up a lot in this interview. Um, but he, so anyways, he, he actually went back home, got the piano, brought it up, and then set it up for only a 30-second chorus. And then we had to, like, rip it down, and then it was, like, audition after audition after. So it was, like, it was definitely a surreal experience, and I'm glad <laughs> that it all paid off by me getting in. But it was, it was a really fun um audition I was really happy mm-hmm. about it but yeah yeah and ever the, the people will hear um <laughs> uh they'll hear it in the song but it's a very catchy chorus but it's also like it you don't predict it coming oh okay that's great I'm glad I mean I've heard it so many times now because like in with the recording process it's like you're doing like like I'll sing the end lies ahead over and over and over and over again so mm-hmm. it's like and I wrote that when I was about 16, 17. So it was, it's been so long since I've actually, I actually haven't played that song in a long time um, live, but it's, it's one of those songs. It's like, just, you know, just ended up working out, but. <laughs> well, let's listen to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to press play. 
let's do it. And so the end lies ahead. thank you like I genuinely like I feel like I'm saying this for every episode now but like I am a genuine fan and I will listen to the song when I'm not interviewing you for the podcast I mean that's the goal right like it's it's so nice that it actually it connected with you at the audition because at that point it was still like we were still recording it and we didn't record that until I mean we didn't release it until after the Honey Jam showcase and and so it was it was nice to kind of like 
kind of not only like showcase myself as an artist that's coming up, but showcasing that song because it was so, yeah. it's so special to to my dad and I. It's it's one of those songs that was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know if like am I allowed to talk about the writing process? Yes, yes, I want to hear all about the writing process. Okay, cool. So a lot of the times, like my writing process has changed a lot over the last couple of years. Um, I used to. It used to be like my dad and I solely. We'd be in a room. And for anyone who doesn't know, my dad is a is a producer. He's worked with Alanis. Uh, he's worked with Oscar wow. Peterson. Like he's he's done a lot of amazing shit. And he's had, he's had a lot of experience writing with people like for his whole life. So so we we kind of st- I started my writing stuff with my dad, and it was like solely with that. And then over the pandemic, I was fifteen, sixteen. And, you know, I had only written with my dad, but he was busy. He was he has a job. He, he's doing stuff. So I started kind of writing stuff on my own. And then when I get stuck, I'd be like, hey, do you want to like fix this? Um, so, <laughs> so with this song in particular, I, I, I wrote the, the guitar, the guitar parts in the in the verse. And I had this verse and I was sitting on it for about a month and a half. Just one of those things. And I was like, it's good but I don't know where it's supposed to go. And I had like the end lies ahead, that part. But I was like, but I don't know what to do after that. So one day I was sitting in the living room. I'm like, hey dad, let's, let's, like, let's like get this done. He's like, oh, okay. He, he sits down, no joke, and writes that whole chorus, like the final chorus in about 10 minutes. Wow. And I'm like, what? How did you do that? Like, I've been sitting on this for about, like, a month. Like, I I couldn't do that. And then we ended up writing the rest of the song. And then it was, like, one of those songs. It was, like, immediately. We're, like, Mm -hmm. we got to, like, make this happen and release it. So it was one of those great... Like, it holds a special place in my heart, for sure. It was... Also, it's great that it has, like, 100,000 streams on Spotify. Like, that's awesome. But, (laughs) but yeah. So the chorus and the verse are so different from each other yeah in terms of like the intensity but you link them together in such like it's so smooth and it just it makes sense it makes so much thank sense. you no I think like with writing it's like it's definitely a process I, I'm I'm assuming you're you you also write too so mm-hmm. it's like you understand this um but it's like sometimes you have parts yeah. and I think the hardest thing for me is to was to connect them especially as a younger songwriter when I was writing stuff back then. It was, it was like, how am I going to connect this part to the next part? And so yeah. with that song, again, in particular, it was one of those things. It was like, the verse is so quiet and so soft. It's telling a story, but like it needs to go somewhere. And something that my, my dad is really good at is making it go somewhere. And so we kind of we kind of wrote that pre-chorus to kind of connect it, and it ended up working. Like the intensity thing. Like I'm I'm glad that that translates because that's like that was the goal of the whole thing. Is it's like oh okay, you have these two amazing parts. Let's connect them with this kind yeah. of pre-chorus. That's a bit more, bit more chill, but still building up to that. Yeah, the chorus is already so catchy and so memorable, but because it's so different from the verse, it's like it makes it even more memorable. Yeah. But then also it makes the verse more memorable because it's so different. Well, thank you. I think also a huge part of that is like instrumentation. Like how are you yeah. like like again, I write and I, I do a lot of finger picking. So, but you can't necessarily sustain that throughout the whole song because sometimes it can get mm-hmm. kind of boring and 
unless unless you're doing like a ballad or like I mean I guess that's a ballad but like you know like an indie like folk song like the finger picking works but yeah. you know for the music I'm writing I can't sustain the finger picking for that long and without it sounding kind of all the same and so I think it's like kind of creating dynamics with playing as well and at that point I wasn't I'm in school right now and so I'm learning mm -hmm. a lot about um like how to play the guitar better and you know the different parts of it and you know learning the fretboard and and so I mean my dad obviously knows how to play so like amazingly so he he doesn't have any issues with that but for me it was a journey because I wanted to learn more about how to build intensity and not just by strumming or not just by finger picking and mm -hmm. kind of putting it all together and that was like one of the first times that I put it all together and it felt like cohesive like it felt like okay this works so I'm glad it's it's come across yeah. for another audience for, for my so audience cool. but yeah I wanted to ask when you wrote the the lyric the end lies ahead is there was there like an inspiration behind her like what what does that mean the end lies ahead oh for sure I mean I said this earlier but I wrote in the pandemic <laughs> so I mean the pandemic for me and I think this is this goes for a lot of other artists too was actually not bad um it was a time where we could you know write and record and you know like meet people mm -hmm. through zoom like what we're doing today and so um i did a lot of that and but there was a part of me i was i was 16 and mm -hmm. i i came to toronto to go to a, an arts high school wexford um in scarborough and i wasn't being i wasn't able to live my experience in in the high school and do things that 16 year olds do because I was stuck in my room. And yeah. so I think there was a lot of the feelings that I feel as a human are very like, oh, there's a, I, like I get, I get negative, but I'm like, okay, well, there's a positive side to it too. And so I think the words like the end lies ahead, like that, that phrase, it kind of represents that is it's like the end, like the end lies ahead for this stupid pandemic. Um, but yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push through and I'm, you know, and I think the verses are kind of about like the lessons that I learned in the pandemic and in my life so far. And and so I think like the end lines I had, it's like, there's 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 gonna be an end. There's gonna be a, a positive mm -hmm. side to this. And you know, there was for me and as again, for a lot of other artists, for a lot of people there wasn't, but I was lucky enough to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of what it means is the pandemic definitely inspired that song a lot. <laughs> that's really cool. Because when, like, I don't know, I don't know if this is just me, but when I think of the end, I think of it almost like, like a bad thing of the good things are going to end. But it's it's nice how you kind of flip that, where it's like the thing that we're going through right now, that's going to end. And then it's going to it's gonna be good after that. Well, like, I think, and this is, like, not even music related, I think this is more life related, is that, like, the good things don't last forever, but neither do the bad things. Mm -hmm. So... And I think that's something that I've I've learned a lot about throughout my I mean my very short time on this earth. But um, it's not, it's one of the biggest lessons I've learned as a human. It's just yeah. you know, there's the good things can last a long time, but sometimes they don't. Or the bad things, it's the same thing. And so I think you have to look at it from like the two perspectives. There's not not everything has to be negative. Not everything yeah. has to be positive. So everything's in a in seasons. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm a teenager, so, like, my emotions are like this a hundred percent of the time. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Literally. I mean, that doesn't go away when you become an adult, but... <laughs>
I don't know. Well, I mean, we're artists, so it probably will never go away. The amount of great songs I've gotten out of my weird emotional issues, you know, it's it's yeah. great. And I'm sure a lot of artists say the exact same thing, but... It becomes our superpower, but it does not feel like that. No. It really does not. It feels like a superpower when you go and you sing that song in front of an audience and they like mm. it. But it doesn't feel like a superpower when you're sitting on your bed and you're like, why am I writing this? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been writing um, and you just kind of pause and you're like, this is so sad. <laughs> Why is this so sad? Like all the time. I find that like my, it's like my, like I'm not fully always conscious of what I'm writing. And so I start writing it. I'm like, oh, that's actually how I'm feeling. Yeah. It's like, it's like listening to music. It's like, you're like, oh, like. That's that's fully representing how I feel, but it's like when I'm writing it, it like surprises me. It's like I'm an outsider mm-hmm. when I'm writing sometimes, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, I guess that works, but that happens to me all the time. Um, I've written like, I mean, again, I'm not like huge on writing. I do write a lot of love. Uh, I write I write quite a bit of love songs, but they're not like my main focus. But when I do, mm-hmm. like as a teenager, you know, bad teenage heartbreak, um, like I'll be like that was that was sad why why did I stay in that for so long Mm. like like what am I doing and but it's nice that you know you get closure from writing those things I think that's Mm -hmm. my biggest like I'll look to my guitar and I'll be like I need you to work with me because I need to get closure from this situation so (laughs) yeah yeah I totally relate to like just songwriting revealing so much about what's going on in my subconscious and it's like I don't even realize it until the song is done and I look back and I'm like wow that I did not know that that was what was going on in my head it's so funny it it, it happens to everyone who's a songwriter mm-hmm. it, it totally happens and you're like oh like that connects to that and this happened with this and it, it's awesome I love yeah. I love that about writing I think it's great <laughs> me too so I wanted to ask more about your experience in playing shows and playing gigs? Well, I've been doing gigs since I was about 11. I was like, I was like, dad, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go full, I'm going to go full into it. I'm going to dip, I'm going to, you know, dive into the deep end. Um, so I've been, I've been doing like little shows since I was about 11. Um, my experience with it, I learned so much from it. Every single time I do a show, I come home and I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong? What can I, what did I do right? What, what songs related to the audience? How's the audience different than the last one? Um, in terms of like being an artist and doing shows, I think that's where you learn the most about yourself as an artist. And, you know, you learn like what's going to, what's going to come across. Like what, what do people like about what you're doing? And, you know, mm-hmm. I get different compliments every time or I get, I get, criticism from my my family comes to all my gigs I love my supportive family so I'll get sometimes I'll get the criticism I'm like oh, okay like constructive criticism yeah yeah for sure not trying to bash <laughs> honestly though like when I play shows I ask them like did it was I awkward they're like yeah you were a little bit like in this one song <laughs> well I have this thing where I sometimes tend to ramble I had this one gig Me too. yeah I had this one gig and I was, this is gonna sound maybe a bit egotistical but um I was really funny and then I was like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to write a script for my gig. I'm just going to go on there and I'm just going to be funny. That doesn't come every time. That's not a thing. Um, 
Depends on your confidence that day. It depends on how much sleep you got. It depends on what you've eaten. Like and, and all of those factors come into the the talking part. And so I've I've started working on, you know, kind of having things prepared to say and, you know, it's like so I don't have to maybe depend on how quote unquote funny I will be on on my gig. So yeah. I feel like that's a part of there's so many parts to the the live music experience that a lot of people just don't realize. And I didn't realize it until a couple months ago, to be honest with you. So when you're when you're talking between songs, is there I guess like a certain persona that you're you want to channel or like how do you how do you plan what you're gonna say? So for me, like like when I go on stage, I am like a hundred percent myself. That is like the only time, like, I feel like that's one of the only times in my life where I can just completely be myself. So the quote unquote persona that I'm like presenting is basically myself, except with a little bit more energy. So when I'm preparing for things to say, I try to think of it like, okay, what would I say if I wasn't nervous and I was in this Mm. context and I was rehearsing? And then that's usually how I prepare it. I'll be like, okay, like, let's. And then sometimes I'll be like, okay, maybe I can add a joke in here or relate the experience to something else. Or honestly, it's a journey. Like the, I've just started doing this. This is a very new thing for me, but I I highly recommend it for musicians that especially I like, I'm not a very, I'm I'm not very good at, like, I love talking to people, but I get so nervous um, when I'm talking on stage. It reminds me of like... (laughs) public speaking when I was in grade seven and I had to do a speech on like like a random old dude like that that stuff like I don't like that like that really triggers me so I think for me just being more prepared and going into it and kind of having an idea of what I'm gonna say it helps it helps especially if you're nervous about the talking part like when I was when I first started gigging my actually my dad would write out a script and and I would have it on the stage. That's how nervous I was. But when I'm singing, oh, nothing, like nothing matters. I'm just like, I'm just fully, like I'm into it. I'm, I'm interacting with the audience. Like it's like, yeah. it's, it's I'm, I'm not nervous, but it's like immediately after the song, I'm like, I become super, super, super nervous. I mean, it's gotten better like now, but back then it was, it was pretty horrible. <laughs> but. Yeah, I can relate to that so much, but I mean, I, I get, I, I'm, I get nervous while I'm singing, <laughs> but it's, I think it's, it's much easier to, to just like sing the song you have memorized yeah, and just try to focus on the emotion of the song and how you're sounding and all that, as opposed to like having to generate words. Well, I think like the biggest, and again, this is something I've learned from live performance is that I'm, I'm a big, like I'm, I'm a perfectionist. And so when mm. I, when I perform, I'm like, okay, this has to sound perfect. And like, but what you said about the emotion thing, I think that's actually more important than maybe sounding the best. And like, you have a beautiful voice, so I wouldn't even worry about it, oh. but. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, of course. But it's like, it's about the emotion because that's what people are connecting to. You can sound like, if you already sound good, you sound good. But if you hit a wrong note because you're feeling it in that moment, that's so important because people are like, oh, she isn't perfect. I'm I'm watching someone, like, I mean, obviously you want to maintain professionalism and, you know, whatever, but, you know, people connect to those moments. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to learn is, like, you can't just always perform the song 
memorize it, make it sound great, um, because it, it sometimes the emotion needs to come into it. So, yeah. Do you find that like having recorded music and having kind of that really high quality version of the song immortalized? Do you do you find that that can sometimes create like an unrealistic standard for yourself? Um, I don't actually. That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I feel like when I record, I solidify the song, and so like, mm-hmm. like I get it. I like I, f- I feel like I fully understand it after I record a song. Yeah. Um, and I usually actually use some of the pieces that we've recorded in into the live performance. I I don't think it sets an unrealistic standard for me because I'm, because, like for me, I don't. We don't like, the record doesn't sound that different than the live. I guess yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. And so yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I feel like it doesn't set an unrealistic standard for me to like meet to. However, yeah, like the end lines ahead, there's this big note that I have to do. And so I did it for the recording and it, it actually made me, I was so nervous about doing it live. And so it was like, it was like I had to fight like my, my mental, I'm like the, the voice in my head and be like, <laughs> okay, you can do this. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to meet the expectation of the recording. But, you know, like, once you, like, get through that, like, weird, like, oh, can I do it as well as the recording thing, that usually ends up working out. Um, But, yeah, I feel like overall, I don't, I don't have that, I I don't have that, like, those, those voices in my head saying, like, oh, like, you need to meet up to your recording. Mm-hmm. So I guess you have so much control over your voice as well. So I'm assuming that like once you spent the time to record it and done all the multiple takes and the trial and error, you're pretty much solid with uh, being able to sing that song live anyways. Well, and you know what? It's like what I love about doing live stuff is that you can like you can kind of change it up a bit too. Yeah. So like um, I have this song called Think It's Gonna Rain Today and it's been released for a couple of years now which is crazy to think. Um, and actually, just for this gig, uh, I, I was like, oh, can I play this song on the guitar? And so I started playing on the guitar. And my dad and I were rehearsing, and we were like, oh, like this sounds actually quite cool. And we've been looking mm-hmm. to make this song a, like, a bit more like high energy when we're playing a show, because it's, it's a pretty calm ballad. And like we reinvented it. And now it's like it, we have a new thing. And so I think there's also that aspect of it. It's yeah. like, oh, I have the recording and that's my basis. But then, okay, I'm going to build off of that. Or I'm going to take certain parts yeah. from it and use the, and use those parts. And because I liked that in the recording. But we didn't do that when we wrote it. So I think mm-hmm. there's also that aspect too. That's so cool. Yeah, I have a, I have a song that I kind of did something similar where when I wrote it, I wrote it as like a very sad ballad, but then when we were recording it, we were thinking, okay, this song can work as a ballad, but it could also work as something more upbeat. So in the recording, we kind of went somewhere in the middle, but then sometimes I'll perform it with a band and we'll make it, we'll go super hard with it and make it so upbeat. And then other times we'll just make it acoustic and sad and slow. Well, and you know what? Like that's that's the beauty of you know writing a song and then kind of like oh I can do it this way I can do it this way like it's yeah. it's so subjective you can do it any way you want like I actually was I was on TikTok a couple of days ago and this like like punk like rock artist was performing a Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. <gasps> oh my gosh, I saw that. It was so good. I was like, this sounds better than the original to me. And it's like it's so cool how people can interpret different like genres. 
and making yeah. and, and put into their own genre and be like, oh, like this is awesome. So I think mm-hmm. it's like reinventing songs is like one of the most important parts of being an artist and, you know, performing live. Yeah, for sure. Because especially like someone like Beyonce, like they they definitely get sick of, you know, singing their big hits, right? And then they reinvent them and they're like, oh, this is like a new song. So mm-hmm. When I play with other musicians, I, I don't know if I'm... <laughs> Some I feel like some some people are very strict on like I want you to play it this way and like or play it exactly like like the recording, but I always say to them just like play the right chords but do whatever you want because you're gonna bring something special and something new to the song. What I love about working with my dad is that like actually for this gig again I I've written a couple songs in the last month or so, and we love them. Like we felt, we both were like, Oh my God, these are amazing. Um, and so we wanted to, we want to perform them, but the way that I wrote them was on the guitar and it was like very mm-hmm. similar chords. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay, like, but I, I really want to perform them, but I don't want to perform them in this way. I don't want to perform them also by myself. I want there to be another part to it. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down and I started, I just played the song once through and, and then my dad listened and he just started playing stuff. And, like, I was like, oh, that's, like, beautiful. And then he started playing this piano part. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to play the piano part, but on the guitar. Ooh. And we have, yeah. And it's, like, and it's it's become this, like, intense, beautiful ballad. But before it was just me and it sounded maybe a bit too bluesy. And it was, like, so we turned it into something that was maybe completely different than what we thought it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of it. And, like, what you were talking about. It's, like, letting other musicians hear kind of what what the song is and in them interpreting it a bit differently than maybe you are and one of the two songs I actually wrote with my dad and he interpreted it differently after we wrote it too which is really cool right yeah. he thought it was supposed to be one way but then he was like oh okay maybe it can be a different way and I guess like when especially since he's co-writing when he knows the song so well I feel like that that makes a huge difference like you're keeping the kind of core oh, 100%. of what the song is but then branching out well and you know it's it's so different I, I don't know do you write on guitar or piano I mostly write on piano um sometimes I write on guitar though yeah like for me I, I write mostly on the guitar mm-hmm. but when I'm with my dad he writes on piano and so but recently I've been we've been both writing on my guitar and it's it's definitely changed a lot of things because it's like when we had this song and the song I was talking about earlier, um, and like because it was written on guitar, it's like oh just do it by yourself. I was like yeah, but there's so many like we could do it, we could do it in so many different ways. But because he didn't write it on piano, he was like sitting there, he's like oh, and it's like it puts his his mind in, into a different place too, which I thought was so mm-hmm. cool. I was like okay, you we've written this song together, and maybe I wrote like we wrote it on the guitar, but. Like, there's so many different, like, you can do it in so many different ways. I think, and that was, like, my biggest discovery yeah. in the last couple of days, is the rearranging thing is so fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember one time I was, like, looking for instrumental tracks online, and I was, I ended up writing a song, like, just the melody and the, the lyrics to a track that I never would have come up with mm-hmm. had I not done that, because yeah. it was, like, kind of a different style than what I would usually do, and it just sort of keeps things keeps keeps things spicy yeah it keeps not a good way no no no. i totally get it It keeps it fresh right and you know what like co-writing is a big 
thing for me. Like I love choreographing mm-hmm. and because I started with it with my dad, but I've done it with a lot of other people and we've done it with other a lot of other people too. And it's like every time you enter a co-writing room, you learn so much about the other person. Yeah. And you learn about okay, like what can I it's like what can I take from this person? Like what did I love about their writing? Um I worked with actually one of my one of my classmates and I was like and I was writing with with them and I was like, "Oh, like I really love the way that you're you're phrasing that. She sounds very much like um, Joni Mitchell and Carol King. Mm. And I'm like, like I don't obviously I don't sound like that. And so I was like, but I love that music. Like I I listen to it all the time. And I was like, how are you doing that? Like I don't understand. But it's like okay, now I want to learn how to do that and maybe interpret it in my way, right? And that like I think that's why co-writing is so important. It's because you actually mm-hmm. develop as a a great songwriter faster if you work with other people. Because music oh, yeah. should be, I think, in my opinion, I think it should be a collaborative experience. So. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, writing a song by yourself, oh, it's a great ego boost. Like, everyone's going <laughs> be like, oh, this is amazing. Only when it's a song that you like. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, so good. But then, I, again, I take it to my dad, and he's like, oh, well, we can fix this. I'm like, I didn't write it by myself anymore. And that's okay, because the, the song ends up being better right it's mm-hmm. so important the song should be it's not about my actually my dad and I have this phrase it's called tune bully and basically what a tune bully I've actually explained this to so many people recently which I think is really funny um a tune bully is someone that puts their ego before the song oh. and I used to be a tune bully I like when I was younger I was like oh, I want to be like I want to be like John Mayer and I want to write the songs all by myself I don't want any help my dad's like the song isn't as good if you don't have someone to listen like if you don't have someone collaborating mm-hmm. with you and so I've learned to not be a tune bully and so maybe writing a song by myself coming up with the foundation is great and sometimes it works out sometimes it's a great song by myself like I've written it by myself but a lot of time it's like okay I want your opinion I want you to like want you to like fix it and make mm-hmm. it better mm-hmm. it's really important <laughs> yeah yeah, I'm just, what, what you were saying, it makes me think of sometimes I'll go to, like, I don't know, like, a family member or, or a friend. I'll be like, okay, I want you to listen to this song, but I just want you to, I just want you to tell me that you're proud of me and that it's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't actually need your opinion. I just want, I just want yeah, that validation. I just want the validation. <laughs> like, I, I am actually the opposite of that. I am, like, I'll be, I'll, I'll play a song for my, for anyone. Like, I, I'll play it for, like, my boyfriend or my stepmom or my mom or something and they'll be like just tell me your honest opinion mm-hmm. and they'll be like oh it's, it's good I'm like no I can tell by your tone you there's something you gotta say and then they go into it and then I and then for a second it's a split second I feel like oh, like why did they say that but then it's like okay I get I get where they're coming from and you don't have to take everything that these people say yeah you can take it with a grain of salt if you really want to but you know again listen like playing a song for an outsider's perspective is so important Oh, yeah. Because sometimes they hear things that you don't. Even if, even if you're mm-hmm. the most talented musician, like someone like Jacob Collier. Like, <laughs> sometimes you need that outsider's perspective and the advice from a, just a listener. Yeah. Especially from someone who's not a musician. Because most of the people who are going to be listening to our songs aren't musicians. Yeah, 100%. I, I did mention my boyfriend and my stepmom, and they're both in music. So when I do when I do listen to their opinions, I'll be like, okay but you actually like their opinions are very I take them very close to my heart 
Um, I mean, sometimes I, I sometimes I'm like, ah, whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do. But, but yeah, like it's again also having like I'm so lucky. Most of my family is in the arts in some form mm-hmm. or music or whatever, and so it's I'm really lucky that I can have those perspectives. But you know, every once in a while I'll play a song for my grandmother who is a dancer so she's a creative but oh. she's not she's not a music and i i look for the ego boost because she goes oh siobhan it's so good it's the oh. best song you've ever written um oh. so you need those people in your life too <laughs> for sure so it's like having the ability to kind of filter through what people say even like if someone gives you their honest opinion um sometimes like people are trying i don't know like in my experience sometimes like, I'll ask my my dad or my mom for opinions, and they're not musicians, but, you know, like, they they listen to music, and they hear me practice all the time, and so sometimes they'll say something that is, they're trying to, they're trying to say something else, but they don't have the words to express what it is they're trying to say, so it's, like, like, really thinking about, okay, like, they're saying this, but, like, they're saying, um, I don't know, like, something with like the rhythm is is isn't working but maybe it's just like the speed of the song or something you know well and you know what like my mom is like that um and she'll like she'll listen to my stuff and she'll she'll be like oh I really like it and like my parents are are not together anymore but when they were like obviously my mom was around music so she has like some kind she has a bit of vocabulary but Mm -hmm. she doesn't have all of it but it's like it's like okay I kind of get what you're saying but again I'm I, I'm so I'm I'm so lucky and I'm I'm very grateful that I have my dad kind of by my side in so many ways, not only music, but when it comes to music, it's he knows exactly what I'm talking about. We're mm-hmm. we're like synced. I'll be like, Oh, I really like this line but he's like, Oh yeah, I already knew. I already knew you were gonna say something about that. <laughs> like it's it's great. So it's good to have both people. It's it's mm-hmm. good because you know, like you learn again, you learn so much from people around you and what their opinions are, if they're musicians or they're not, right? Yeah, for sure. I want to talk more about your voice and how you developed your singing ability and how you maintain. So, I, like, I'm horrible. I'm one of these people that um, I, I kind of came out of the womb and I, I, I was lucky enough to have a really great Natural voice. talent. <laughs> um, but natural talent only gets you so far, right? And, like, a lot of the songs that I do, they're very, very belty and high and and I love those songs um but I actually I've gone through a lot of challenges where I'll I'll do a gig and I don't have a voice after and then it takes me in the more that happens the longer it takes me to recover from it um but I've been lucky enough to have I have a couple vocal teachers that I'm working with right now uh Falconer Abraham and he's working with me at my school and he's really helped me with um coming up with kind of singing singing in a way that it's a bit easier but I can still get that like that belty tone mm-hmm. um so that's been great but that's only recent and then my other vocal teacher is Kira Milan or Milan um and she's she's actually a class she has a classical background but she's one of those people that she's so in tune with your body she'll be like oh mm-hmm. I can did you did you, like I one time I came in and I had a muscle spasm she's like Siobhan is there something wrong with your leg I'm like how did you know that? Like, I don't understand. And she's very in, in tune with the body and the voice. Like, it's like, and so I've learned a lot from her about, like, more about, like, warming up and, you know, singing in a way, like, how, how important the warm-up can be. 
and I've so I've taken kind of like those parts and tried tried to implement them in my in my day to day you know voice mm-hmm. stuff. But overall, I'm not like you could talk to me about vocal technique, and I don't know a lot about it, which is and I'm learning. I'm learning now, but for so long I did not know anything, and I would just sing, and then sometimes it would work, and sometimes it wouldn't. <laughs> Mm-hmm. my thing was I would get nervous and I wouldn't breathe when I'd be on stage like I would kind of like hyperventilate I've learned how to work on that but yeah like my voice is I'm like sing all the time like in the house 100% of the time I'll be singing something so I think that's kind of how I developed like mm-hmm. my skill and my ears my musical ears so and it's like it's like with everything it's like trial and error oh 100% and like it's so important to you know, not ruin your voice, and I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning that that's becoming way more important, especially if I want to have a career in this. So I've been working yeah. with those coaches and coming up with better strategies on ways to sing, but still get that you know the belty tone mm-hmm. or the the essence of what I did before. I mean, it's the same, but you know, doing it in a healthier yeah. way is really important. For sure, mm-hmm. I I started taking voice lessons recently like within this year but I remember when I was when I was younger my my philosophy was if it hurts that's probably not a good thing and that's the philosophy (laughs) that um my first vocal teacher Falconer goes by it's like if it hurts you gotta change it if it doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt don't worry about it like it's it's like it's okay um, but for me, it started to hurt, and then you know, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I need a I need a new way of doing this. Yeah. So your song "The End Lies Ahead" has over hundred thousand streams on Spotify, and that is so. First of all, congratulations! Thank that you. is amazing. <laughs> um, and I was wondering if there's were there things that you did to uh, promote it and market it so that it could have a better chance of having that kind of success. Well. And a, a lot of people have asked me about this song. Um, and it, in terms of the the promotional aspect, I I just put it out. Like, I just put it out, and then I just posted about it a lot. Um, but again, like I said before, I did it at Honey Jam. And so I think mm-hmm. people were like, oh, okay. And so that definitely helped me gain some streaming stuff. Because I remember, like, the day yeah. after that, like, the day after the concert, I was like, oh, my God, it's already gone up, like, a 1,000. I'm like, how is this possible? Wow. So I think it's, like, it's, again, like, just, like, even doing those showcases and promoting that specific song, like, that mm-hmm. that helped me 100%. Um, but other than that, I just, you know, just I just posted about it, and it ended up just getting that success, and I was really lucky. A lot yeah. of people, are like, like, my other songs, because of that song, the other songs went up in streaming mm. and stuff. But, like, even those songs, they only had about 3,000, 4,000 I mean, which is great still as as well, but like four thousand streams before that song came out, and so, you know, it's I haven't released music in a while, and we plan on doing a lot of that this year. Um, hey. But like, I think it's just like having that catalog. It's like, oh, like when's Shawan gonna release something? Then they go back and then they start listening, or all like for things like this, I'll use those songs, and they usually yeah. go up. So it's just again, it's just like the promotional aspect, just putting it in different places. It's like mm-hmm. podcasts. Instagram, TikTok. I mean, I'm not very good at the TikTok thing, which I plan on getting better at this year. Um, that's one of my New Year's resolutions. But, you know, just like, again, just promoting it in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And it has such, like, I know I keep on saying this, but it has such a catchy hook. And Thank you. <laughs> I think that, like, 
definitely helps when you're putting it on social media. Yeah. Well, and it's like, like, I, I, I want to be into the TikTok thing so badly, but I find it's like, it's so much work, first of all. Me too. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, I feel superficial sometimes, but it's like, if I actually worked on it and came up with some strategies on how to promote these songs, I think it, I think it would, like, again, it's like also like the amount you're posting, but I think it could do well yeah. on TikTok. So I need to, I need to start, this is more of a note to myself. You need to start, you know, using not only Instagram for promotional aspects. I think TikTok can really help you in a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I also have that as my New Year's resolution. <laughs> I think it's a New Year's resolution for a lot of musicians. This past year, I discovered, well, I already, I knew it existed, but I just never really used it. But I discovered Canva for editing images and like text and stuff, but also for videos. And I didn't realize that it was so useful for that. If you search like, I don't know, like artist, song release, Instagram, it'll have these templates where you can put your video in the background and yeah. then it'll have text that pops up or little like image. It's so cool. Yeah. No, I, the technology nowadays is getting ridiculous. Yes. Even this uh, chat GPT. I know a lot of people, I tried, I have, so I'm in school for, um, at Seneca for independent songwriting and performance oh, right very now. Very cool. It's like a one-year program. It's great. Um, and so one of my assignments was to write a country song. And obviously I don't write country. And so I was like, oh, like, what am I going to do? Like, what is the story? Like, what should the story be about? And so my stepmom was like, oh, let's ask chat GBT. And she starts, and she starts <laughs> like writing, that. like coming up with these ideas and then this, and then this fucking AI thing comes up with this whole song. I didn't end up using any of it, but it definitely like sparks ideas. So it's like, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be using ChatGPT to help you write songs, but you know, that was her first um, idea. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot. So <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be listening to a song and it'll like I'll generate songwriting ideas from like mishearing a lyric yeah. or they'll say something that sounds really cool and it'll make me think of something else, another lyric idea. I think for me, I actually, I wrote this song about, I think this was, this was almost, this was about a year ago now. And I was, I was on TikTok. I was scrolling on TikTok and I found this, this TikTok that had a bunch of dates on it. And it was like, there was like February 13th and you know, like March 9th. Like it was a bunch of random dates. Yeah. And I was in a two-month teenager love kind of relationship in high school. Um, so it was like it's like seven, eight months later after we ended that. And this TikTok sparked this idea in, in me. And so I started writing this song. And it starts off with um, like February 15th because that's the day mm-hmm. we broke up. Um, and it ended up being this song. It's called Stars Uncrossed. So certain things just spark the the writer the writer in you and you're like, oh, this is mm-hmm. kinda cool. But very awesome. <laughs> well, we're nearing the end of our interview. So the two more questions. So one is what advice or resource would you give to your younger self? Don't listen to everyone all the time. Uh, just, you know, do what do what your gut's telling you. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. And just keep putting yourself out there just keep going I think and I think that's that goes for myself now too I think that's just something that just keep going and you're gonna it's it's gonna work out if you really believe in it yeah especially as artists we need we need to trust ourselves oh 100% I think it's a lot about confidence right just mm-hmm. 
you know, not being too egotistical about it, but, you know, <laughs> believing that you can do the impossible is the way that you make the impossible happen. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's going to be the sound bite. For oh, okay. Sense. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, that just came out of me. I was like, I'm really, yeah. I'm really happy about that. I felt like Shakespeare or something. Wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, last question is, do you have a music recommendation for our audience? So I am obsessed, like I am telling you, like obsessed with this band called Lawrence. And they're a brother-sister duo from New York. And they write pop soul music. I have been obsessed with this band since they released their biggest hit called Don't Lose Sight, which is a a song that's not the song I was going to recommend. But listen to that one, too. Um... I first discovered them through that song and they did an acoustic version of it and it was ridiculous. It was so amazing. I was immediately like in love with this band. So they've released, they're starting to release new stuff in their new era. And so my favorite song by them right now is called I'm Confident That I'm Insecure, which definitely goes for me as a person and, (laughs) you know, for a lot of teenagers, a lot of people. So I think it's like one of those songs I just immediately gravitated towards. And they also have an acoustic version for that. (gasps) So it's like, they're, they're awesome. Highly recommend them. I have nothing but good things to say. (laughs) And that's such a good line. I know it's, and it's so catchy. I'm just like, I'm like, I I wish it was one of those things that I was like, I wish I came up with that. Mm. I really wish I came up with that. (laughs) Yeah. Really awesome. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I'm so happy that I we finally got to do this. Yes. And um I hope to I, I can't wait to hear your new music. Thank you. For those of you listening to the podcast, add this podcast to your playlist and like and follow on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at Bedroom Studios Podcast. And follow the playlist of guest music recommendations and follow Siobhan's music because it is really awesome. Thank you. And you will like it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for having me.